Welcome to Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. I'm Jackson. And I'm Sam. On today's episode, we'll be chatting all about Private Practice Season 2, Episodes 13 and 14. Episode 13, Nothing to Fear, was written by John Cowan and Robert Rovner and directed by Allison Liddy Brown. It aired on January 22, 2009 to 9.49 million viewers. Episode 14, Second Chances, was written by Craig Turk and directed by James Frawley. It aired on January 29, 2009 to 7.74 million viewers. Enjoy! Our patients for this week are... In episode 13, we have Judy and her baby, who Judy is pregnant and the baby has a diaphragmatic hernia. We have Alexander Ball, who has stage 4B pancreatic cancer. And we have Nora, who has agoraphobia. In episode 14, we have Jane Williams, who is pregnant and is having a stroke. We have Keith Embry, who has drug addiction, hepatitis C, and bacterial endocarditis. And we have Sharon, who wants hormone therapy to have her daughter's baby. All right, Jackson, what's your first note? Addison, it's time to end it. If not, this is just going to get messy. Why are you trying to act like nothing happened between you and Wyatt? Be mature, own it, and figure out a way to move forward with or without them. Yeah, that is my similar to my second note. My first note is sleeping in earrings is so uncomfortable. I don't know how she's doing it. So Nicely. That sounds awful. My earplugs hardly stay in at night. No, because the little post like pokes into the little yeah, space make you bleed. between your jaw or like a pressure point. It could kill you. I feel like not. it could make you bleed. Uh, yeah, maybe. It's not like sharp. It's just pointy. It's very uncomfortable. Mm. They make earrings yeah. now with flat backs, but I haven't invested mm. in those. But my note right after that is that it's wild to me that Addie can lie so seamlessly to go to Gilmore dad, but not to Naomi. She's such a bad liar with Naomi, but she's so meh with Gilmore dad. It's because she cares more about Naomi. Oh, absolutely. She's more invested. And as I said at the end of our last episode, I'm ready for Gilmore dad to leave. Just bye bye. Aren't Kevin. we all? Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for your time. Um, my last intro note is that Violet hysterically laugh crying on the floor of the bathroom is a very me moment. That's something that I have done, will do, continue to do. That's a very something that uh, I find myself doing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I like to cry on the shower with the water on but sitting in the tub with the water coming out of the shower head, though, rather than the, the tub faucet. I find it more dramatically satisfying than just crying on the floor. A very Izzy you should try it. moment. I have tried it. I have tried it. But then I find that I can't figure out what's tears and what's shower, which could be what's attractive to you about that. It kind of is. Yeah. Shall we move on to Ms. Judy, a.k.a. Huh. Sarah Drew? Yes. Miss, Miss Sarah Drew April, who I thought its name was uh, June, but it's Judy. <laughs> Coming um, back to Grey's Anatomy. Yes. Very exciting. Yes, truly. What's your first note, Sam? What a scream. Wow, this is quite the labor scene. I I feel like she didn't even have this much horror in her voice when she was, um, spoiler alert, getting cut cut open on her kitchen table. I feel like she did. It reminded me of that moment very much so. She was like, And I said, (laughs) 
poor Sarah Drew in these dramatic labors for her characters. Yeah. So many of them. Every single one's dramatic. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're not going to have a character get pregnant on TV and not have a dramatic birth, but hers True. are very extreme. Very They all much end so. in death or just drama. There's only death in one. Right, I know. But there wasn't a lot of drama in the actual delivery, so the True. drama was in the death. Very much, very much. You're, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, what's your first note? Was it similar? Yes, but also I'm just so not used to seeing Dell in this midwife position yet. Oh, it, yeah, like, yeah, you're not. I do a second take, and I'm like, whoa, didn't expect to see him here. Yet there he is. Yeah, it comes there out a lot more in this season. Um, and I'm very used to seeing him here. And that's why when I see him at reception, I'm like, oh, yeah, he did that too. I feel like they've stopped putting him at reception already, and it's very confusing to me. True. Like, who's, who's running the shop? Yeah, he has like a corner office now. <laughs> yeah. Um, these parents are – I my blood was boiling. Um, I have been going back and forth whether to announce this on the podcast, but I adopted – I rescued a dog last week. It wasn't last very week. Very cute. Yes. I Well, it was like last month. It was this month. I rescued a dog earlier this month. Um, she is tiny. She is adorable. Uh, but she also has a pretty serious heart condition. And I'm very lucky in that I have a number of veterinarians in my family. And, um, you know, I have – I have the the means in the way of knowledge, like it, those kinds of like medical um, contacts to have her be able to be taken care of. Um, and to right after like setting up her appointment with a cardiologist, like this tiny two pound puppy having a cardiologist that's like <laughs> insane. I know this is all insane. I know this. But to see these parents who were so obsessed not obsessed who were so in love with having this child and who have tried so hard to have a child and who I had been rooting for so hard the moment that a fixable medical issue comes up they're like oh nope I can't buy I was so mad I was maybe hot take more mad about this than I was about um the mom a couple episodes ago with the measles. I just, I was so mad about them just, like, you don't just give up when someone gets sick, especially when it's someone that small and that helpless who you have promised to help. It's immoral. I just, I can't. Yeah, I truly did not expect that. I didn't see it coming at all. Um, I figured, if anything, Judy would be the one to cause some sort of scene and in the moment. See, that's the thing is that I remembered I didn't remember the specifics, but I remembered that she nearly kept the baby and I couldn't remember if she did in the end, but I remembered that there was some sort of strife and at the end of her last appearance, remember how I was like, "Oh, Judy, oh, Sarah Drew, I'm not used to seeing you like this." It's because I remembered that something happened, but I didn't remember that it went this way. I didn't remember that it wasn't her fault. Right. And of course she wants to keep him now after she saw what they did. A hundred percent. Of course she does. Yeah. And also like natural, I could see that coming anyway, that she was going to want to keep him. Yes. But even more so, of course she wants to when they're doing that, you know, yeah. running. Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, I could see it. I don't know. I don't know. I, this, this story really, really bothered me. And I'd, I wonder if it would bother me so much a different week, right? But 
it really made my skin crawl this week. Um, I, I almost feel at the end, like, especially Naomi, I mean, we don't see it on camera, but I feel like especially Naomi kind of talked her out of keeping her baby in the end. I feel like that maybe there is some conversation that is a deleted scene that because she just kind of went from, yeah, I'm going to keep this baby to, nope, here you go. Yeah. I don't know. Possible. I don't know. It was interesting. We'll never know. Yeah. Um, do you think that she did the right thing in the end? Giving the baby to them? Yeah. I don't know. It's what she had agreed to do, and she came through with that side of the promise, so. It's true. I can't, can't fault her. Am I a little concerned about her new parents? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. The future of scraped knees, and if, I don't know. I'm thinking of, like, childhood things like scoliosis or asthma or things that, you know, a little bit more of a bumpy path that might come with a pre-existing condition like this. Right. I don't know. Um, I think that that scene where the parents come to drop off the clothing and such was really well written. Um, When they say, like, we know how badly we screwed up. We feel like we lost those babies from before when they did. And this time it's our own fault. And I was like, yeah, it is your own fault this time. Um, so at least they realize it. But um, I don't know. I just think I hated this plot line, but also I enjoyed it. Oh, shall we move on to the wizard and Sam? Come to the... Emerald City? I was going to do cabaret reference here. Oh, you're right. Oh, my God. I should have Welcome, Welcome. <laughs> to Alexander's flat. Hello, Joel Gray. I love the Wicked reunion of Tay Diggs, who was an early replacement Fierro in uh, the winter of 2013 while Joel Gray was the wizard. Love that. I have one, two, three, four, five hearts after his name. I just have Joel Gray with a five hearts after. You can't not love Joel Gray. I know. He's I just know. so lovable. Um, I really like when they said i forget who says it i i usually put a, a a quote here but they say mercy not murder that sounds like pete to me it does and it's it's allowing him to die with dignity yeah you know yeah absolutely um a little bit later maybe in this in the same conversation sam says the practice won't allow it okay but isn't sam the practice like don't they make those decisions as a group? Like, hasn't there been so much conversation about all of them making these decisions together? And I get that this is something that they would need to decide um, on a quicker timetable. But it's a co-op, right? Maybe they already have an official position around assisted suicide. That's what I'm guessing. Very possible. By the way, love... Love Alexander's house. The red I know. couch, the giant art, the big plant. Very cute. Yeah. Very cute, I, Alexander. I said it's his apartment is very reminiscent of Pete's office minus the pop art. Yeah. Yeah. It was a it was a house I would want to live in. Oh, absolutely. Very cute. It's very it's on the market again, Gray. so <laughs> <laughs> only the best for Joel Gray. <laughs> um, when he was saying all of those things that he put in the concoction of the things to put in his pudding. LSD from 1972? Wow. Like, what's the shelf life on that? Probably not that long. 
Yikes, Joel Gray. <laughs> also, on his second bull, like, what a way to go. I, I'm not. I'm really not trying to make light of the situation, but no. But wow, LSD from 1972. I love when Joel Gray was discussing death and saying, "If I could live like I could when I lived, yes, then I would want to continue." What a beautiful, simple way of putting that. That really just makes sense and puts the entire his character's entire mindset into perspective for the audience, um, for anyone who might have been on the fence at that point. Yes. I also was thinking, and I you may have notes on this later, I feel like you do, is that um, he talks a lot about all of the people who he loves are now dead, like everybody he knows is dead. And to me, that reads that, um, you know, he is in the generation that we lost to AIDS. I would agree. That's what I was thinking. He's also older, so that could be part of it if he doesn't have family. But I also think think that's part of it as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he reads to me, and I also, um, a little plug here, I just watched a couple weeks ago, but It's a Sin on HBO Max. It's a beautiful, beautiful show um, for anyone who has not watched. I highly suggest it, but um, it just, it read to me like, a 2009 network drama that could not say I lost all my friends to AIDS and I'm the only one left essentially and now I'm dying alone um and I I very well could be reading too much into that and I I get that he's on the older end of that um but But he's not that old no exactly he I thought I thought if, the same thing was a possibility. I yeah. didn't feel like it was for sure, for sure. But I definitely thought of that. If he's 70, maybe. Let's say he's 70 in 2009. In 1989. Is that 40? Did I do that math right? No, that would I be did. 50 in 89. Okay. But still. Still. Great. So uh, that's just, it It read to me on that. that this, this, um... This episode is another one of my favorites. These are three of my favorite stories. Um, and I forgot that they all three were in the same one. But um, yeah, this very much read, read like that to me. Um, do you have anything specifically about that before I move on to Sam? Nope. Okay. Sam always ends up on the right side of things in the end, right? But he rarely starts off on the right side of things. He always needs persuading in some way. But he always he always does get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to give him a pat on the back for that, but also say like, I don't know, maybe start start off better next time, Sam. Maybe he'll learn or with time. With time, with time, yeah. Um, at the end, I know it's written like this when he says, um, when Joel Gray has that big monologue, I really want Peter Sam to say, like, you're not alone or I'll remember. But finally, Pete says you were here. And I was like, oh, oh I loved that. I loved that. I had the yeah. same note there. Yeah. Pete, such an incredible doctor in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Such great work. Also, the drama of him dramatically slipping the morphine into his leather jacket. I know. And the music behind it. Oh my god, what a rebel. And then um, the camera angle where you can see the um the DEA sheet that they all have to sign when they take a dose. Yeah. <laughs> it's like dimly lit. Loved that. Yes. You know what else I loved, Sam? What? I loved the transition from Alexander's life ending 
to Violet helping the agoraphobic patient Nora begin to live again yes. um, as she walks her down the aisle at her daughter's wedding. What a beautifully directed transition by Allison Liddy Brown. Loved yes. that. I agree. Loved that. I agree. We're moving on to Nora, our agoraphobic patient. Yes. My first note for Nora is I don't blame her. <laughs> I don't blame her for not wanting to leave her house. No. no. We were both there a couple months ago. Yeah, same. <laughs> Violet, such a good doctor. I love her at the door when Nora's in the closet. Such a gentle, respectful approach to trying to get her to come out. She's just the best of the best. Yeah. If she were real, I'd want to be her friend, but I'd also want to not be her friend so she could be my therapist. I know. That was going to be my question for you um, at the end of today's episode is that would you want to be like her bestest friend in the whole wide world or would you want her to be your therapist i think i'd want her to be my friend yeah so we could hang out and also like the way that she lives her life she would be your therapist and then you just wouldn't have to pay her exactly exactly (laughs) she's cooper's therapist so it's fine absolutely yeah amy brenneman is violet turner as donna sheridan and mama mia i know i was waiting for that Truly, ugh, I love Mamma Mia, and I love Viola Turner, and I love that her life is now Mamma Mia. There's only two, though. It's close enough. It's true. The uh, Violet's Shondalogue pregnancy reveal um, regarding fear in that sequence with Nora there, so beautifully delivered. Once again, I just love Violet, and I love Amy Brenneman. Yeah. Very good. Very good moment for her. Yeah. I would agree. I really like the comparison between Violet hiding in the bathroom at the top of the episode to Nora hiding in the closet later and how that kind of – not that Violet wouldn't be, um, you know, compassionate anyway, but it kind of is like, oh, I was literally just here. (laughs) Exactly. And I love – I love Nora comforting her and opening the door when Violet reveals how scared she is and that becoming – the way Nora's way out. Yeah. Nora's way out. She has to, they help each other. It's beautiful. Loved it. Yeah. I would agree. Um, another great piece of Violet advice is when Nora is kind of explaining why she doesn't want to do ABC, Violet says, don't let it get big. And that is a really great piece of advice. Yep. We love it. One step at a time. Yes. My last note is, is this the same church that they use in Grey's Anatomy when people get lost for Joe and Alex's wedding? Probably. It wouldn't surprise me. I tried to look it up on Grey's Wiki, but there are no pictures of that. And I haven't gone into Netflix to like look, but I feel like it is. So dear listeners, if you know, please let me know. (laughs) Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. It because it, it like they they had the side exits where everybody leaves and the doors. I know most churches look like that, but like the doors where the bride comes through, it looked like the same thing, and the altar looked the same. I don't know. It, it just I think that it's the same one. Probably. Do you have anything else for Nora? I just love getting to see Cooper and Violet in the closet together. You know these echoes of their old relationship that we haven't seen as much of recently. Cooper helping Violet to start 
breathing deeply again when she has her breakdown through laughter. Just beautiful. I love I love seeing them once again. Yeah. They make me happy. Um, that scene, I have it in my miscellaneous section next, but um, it, re- it makes me want a Cooper Violet prequel series or like at least a prequel episode to Ooh. be like how they met and like – I don't know, like their first impressions of each other and just like a, an episode through time, which I will tell you we do not get. I wish we did. Mm, that would um, be fun. Also, my um, Sam spotlight, which I don't know what to call it, but when I notice things, I appreciate that Cooper's shoes are worn on the bottom. Yeah, so much in TV and film, it's just like a brand new pair of shoes and it's just like, oh, I just wore these and you wear them everywhere. Unless Ugh. you're Addison Forbes Montgomery. Then they're probably new shoes. Oh, absolutely. I have a little section here on Charlotte and Cooper. I have a few notes there. Yeah, just well. a tad. Just a tad. Oh, my God. Are they getting married? Is what I said. And I said, of course they're going to do it their way in Vegas. How Charlottean. And then I said, oh, never mind. Also, like, not the reasoning I expected with the whole big daddy death. But it... The reasoning makes sense, and I see why it didn't didn't pan out that day. Yeah, it was it was really like a redo of how George and Callie get married in the early seasons, of like the Dead Dads Club and them just running off. Yeah, and it was just a few seasons before because it's concurrently in Grey's Anatomy season five right now. So it was I don't know. Also, when Charlotte was in that little veil. I was like, is this a dress or is this lingerie? I think it's lingerie. Oh, absolutely. It's Charlotte. What a weird set. I don't know. I feel like she wouldn't have that. But I mean, she does, obviously. But I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that Addison really thinks that kissing Wyatt Lockhart is not cheating? No. She I, knows. She yeah. has to. Well, I mean, you know how some people are like, oh, you know, emotionally cheating is not cheating. And like, oh, it was just a kiss. It's nothing. It's not how I think. Same. Uh, Yeah. She's being so defensive with Gilmore Dad. And he's making a joke out of it. But he's not joking. And she's not being truthful. And it's just a mess. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning. Yeah. It's going to get messy, girl. It's going to get really messy. And at the end. Archer and Naomi. Oh, I'm not, not, not the end, end, end. Okay, but we mind. will get there. No, we'll get there. We'll get there. You better leave that in because that was priceless. <laughs> um, when when Gilmore girl, Gilmore girl, when Gilmore dad says, "It's a nice place, Addison. I hope you find someone who fits in." Like, okay, Gilmore dad, now go to therapy, but not Boy. with Violet. Oh yeah, no, way. <laughs> not with Violet, not with Violet. Um, yeah, and my very last note for this episode is, "LOL, Naomi and Archer, I cannot." <laughs> I just had Archer and Naomi in all caps. <laughs> Shall we move on to episode 14? What's your first note? Whoa, we are heading right into the patients today. Violet Turner, if I were having a baby, I wouldn't want to give up coffee either. I feel you, girl. I feel you. I feel Absolutely you not. I feel you. Um, I'm just struck, still struck. I can still see it when I close my eyes on that necklace that Addison is wearing in that first scene. It's like a teal bobble necklace, but it's it's a it's like a low hanging bobble necklace with like thirty bobbles on it, and it just looks like it could take a small child out. <laughs> it's huge. Probably could. Yeah, yeah. It's it's huge. 
it's 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 a little bit scary. Yeah. Um, the Charlotte sass we get when um not when Archer and Addison are walking, and Charlotte says, "Oh, you met my new neurologist. Come on, there's no way she doesn't know that that's her brother." She knows. I yeah, she, knows. she has to. She's playing. I was like, oh my god. I'm really proud of Naomi and Sam for discussing their relationships like adults. I'm really proud of them. Yeah, they do good work in these couple of episodes. Yeah, it it goes a little farther than I would like it to at the end of this episode. But that's, you know, whatever works for them. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of Archer getting introduced to Addison, his sister, by Dr. Charlotte King— he is sharing our first patient of the day, Jane Williams, pregnant with a stroke, um, throughout this episode. And I don't know about you, Sam, but to me, Archer and Addison sharing a patient seems like trouble with a capital T. Okay. Doesn't it? Okay. Shonda's the queen of the cold, open, big question into music for the credits. Yeah, she sure She's is. The queen of that. I mean, Aaron Sorkin is the queen of the cold, the queen of the cold open. Yes, Aaron Sorkin is the queen of the cold open. <laughs> yes, but um, Shonda is the queen of the cold open. Big question. Into oh music, yes, into credits, and the queen of the opening monologue. Just the monologue overall. You know, we have two options here for treatment. Since there are two lives involved, a baby and the mother, Addison's less risky option seems. Like the way to go, in my opinion, but but Archer's know. a big shot, and this is his first um cl- not client. This is his first patient. Wouldn't he want to go for the big shiny option? Not if he wants to keep them alive. Yeah, but he's the best of the best. Yeah, they all say that. I know. I Every know. single person on the show says that they're the it's best true. of the best. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Double board certified. Also, why it's just gone with no warning? What? I that know. I know. Where did he Very go? Fast. I don't know. I wonder if there's tea on that that we don't know. Probably not. Yeah, probably probably just, not. It's probably just like a three episode arc. Yeah. Because he was a guest star. Yeah. Um, When Archer puts his hand in her face, the talk to the hand. Oh my God. Their sibling chemistry is wild. And I laughed out loud. <laughs> um. Addison in her scrub cap again was just instant serotonin to my brain. And then I nearly automatically uploaded a photo of her in her scrub cap to our Instagram so that our dear listeners would um, have that instant blast of serotonin as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know why Wyatt is just gone. Like, bye-bye. Also, what a scene to end on. It just seemed abrupt. Yeah. I'm I'm confused about, like, where Archer normally lives. Like, does he have multiple homes, right? Like, how does he just come to L.A. and his sister doesn't bat an eye like she doesn't know about it? <laughs> I thought he was on the East Coast. I think he is. Isn't he staying with Addison? No, because she she didn't know he was there. Oh, right. Until... Hotel? Probably. They've got La- money. Well, maybe, yeah, oh, yes, they do. Um, well, last time he stayed with her and, you know, brought a friend and didn't let her oh, yeah. know. And that didn't end well. So maybe she was like, yeah, you can't just stay here anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Probably in a hotel. Yeah, probably. Probably. I just am curious as to where he was based before now. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Do you have any more notes on this couple? I just, in relation to Archer and Addison, she says what we've all been thinking for weeks since we first met Archer. She cannot live her life if Archer's in town, butting in, working downstairs, prying, you know, her relationships apart and messing with her. That's what he does when he's in town and she can't live her life as she's meant to if he's there and it's it's frustrating for her and frustrating to watch for her on her I behalf agree. i would agree Oy. but that's all agree. i've got on them yeah my last note is that i i feel like this couple this pregnancy stroke and this divorced husband i feel like they're gonna work it out in the end yeah yeah i believe in them shall we move on to keith i guess i guess let's... i don't have a lot here it's clear that he exists to further Dell's development and reveal more of his past. That's why he's there, right? It's obvious. Yeah, I. The guy is just like, and the when he first gets there, it's like, oh, okay, you're in search of narcotics. Yeah. Um. Also, I feel like I hadn't really heard of Narcan until a few years ago when the opioid addiction started getting a lot of attention, but they've mentioned it twice in two episodes and on last week's Station 19. Um, but I, I don't remember hearing it a lot back then. Do you remember hearing about it a lot before recently? I mean, I'm, it's possible that I'm just sheltered and had not heard of Narcan. What a dramatic camera angle when Dell gets pushed into the shelves and the glass and the shelves go flying. Like, what a dramatic upwards angle. <laughs> I know. Also in this sequence, I feel like Pete giving this patient Keith clean needles to use is still such a bad idea. Sure, it's helping potentially keep him away from dirty needles we see it doesn't because he's been trading them yeah instead um but continuing to give him needles of any sort is still feeding the addiction and keeping him sick it, it is enabling i get i get it could be better than the alternative if he were using the needles as pete had intended but mm-hmm. still questionable treatment i think you know no i i do know and even back then like when i was much much younger than even 2009 um i do know that clean needle exchanges are something that do happen at like community centers and um places like that um those are very popular especially to you know um fend off diseases that are caused by sharing needles and such um I had not heard of it from a private uh, doctor like this. But, I mean, we know that people in this practice and in this world take things into their own hands all the time. But maybe the better course of action would have been for Pete to, you know, forward him to a needle exchange instead of supplying them himself. But I get that he also wanted to check in on him. But no, it, it is enabling. It is. And we didn't get much closure on this patient at all i feel like a 5150 is not the way to go also if violet and a 5150 is when they involuntarily hold you um for 48 72 hours whatever it is um in a psych ward right if violet didn't sign it who did 
right? Did Pete just go to somebody else? Also, I think that's what happened. Yeah, if if Violet, if I don't know, I feel like he should just trust Violet to know the right thing to do. Yeah, and and Keith's wife is right. If if it's gonna work, he has to want it. She's right. So this is just gonna make him more angry. Maybe he'll start withdrawal, but as we know, it doesn't. It's not a cure all. Do you want to move on to Sharon? Yes, let's move on to Sharon. So. If we're getting this right, she's trying to get pregnant at advanced maternal age. I feel like this is more than advanced maternal age. Yes. But (laughs) with the grief of losing her daughter and family as well, that seems so risky. Yes. And scary. I understand why she she might want to try that, but ooh, that risk is high. Yeah, I agree. Um, the actress is very reminiscent of Patty Lapone, especially in that opening scene. Hmm. I had forgotten the reveal that Terry hated her mother. So dramatic. Yes. Violet. Dun, dun, dun. Violet's getting so invested in this because of her own pregnancy. It's, yeah. It's interesting to see that shift in her. Yeah. As she deals with people bringing new life into the world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't like the reasoning that violet used though when she said that think of her being like 70 years old at the middle school dance or whatever whatever she said because people of any age can be a mother or a parent right like think of how many grandmothers and aunts and uncles parent in the absence of a biological parent or an adoptive parent right like that argument isn't great terry's wishes are valid though so listen to terry's wishes and that's all the reasoning that naomi should need to hear legally it's iffy right but let the lawyers deal with it speaking of violet there is so much shoving down the throat of her learning that she is capable of giving her baby the love it deserves throughout this episode i know they just and keep the reminding the audience that she's learning this yes so often yeah 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 yeah. beach houses and babies so much baby for so our much babies violet. so much babies it's funny that naomi and violet have changed positions on that at the end of it um, I forget if she's in more than one episode, but um, I guess we'll see. I feel like there wasn't a lot of closure on these people today. No, there wasn't. And it's not even like we had a lot of – it's like not – it's like a lot happened, but not a lot happened in this episode. Yeah. Agreed. Shall we talk about Archer and his visit for a little bit? Yeah. Do you have anything on Archer? I, I feel like he should be able to work wherever he wants to, especially if these patients need him, right? I feel like there's a lot of doctors in this world going back and forth to places um, where they're like, I am very qualified. I'm the only person who can help. And why can't Archer do that, right? Like, But Addison is well within her rights for her need for boundaries. Exactly. And it's not like he's just coming to the area. He's coming to like stay downstairs one floor below and be with her that is right exactly that's messing with her life in bigger ways yeah i love it's interesting like you were saying earlier it's interesting to hear naomi and sam have these adult discussions about what's going on in their life and relationships you know naomi talking to sam about archer audra asking tay about good time guys which was a little weird but you know yeah it's a step forward as far as open communication goes for them. So 
good on them proud of them good proud of them. them yes yeah i'm proud of them um when cooper walks into that conversation in the lunchroom he goes oh i was dreading the debate between powerberry and dragon fruit vitamin water i was like oh my god those are my two favorite flavors really <laughs> yeah i just i'm boring i just drink plain water water but in like the in like the mid aughts you didn't like vitamin water no i just drink regular water oh my those two and the acai berry when archer comes in and she's like oh and i'm a good time girl and he says no you're a keeper i was like yes she is she is a keeper you be nice to her you be nice speaking of naomi and her ex sam oh my god sonia called 911 because of sam's asthma oh my god that made me made me chuckle a bit Yes, and then at the end when um they when Naomi and Sam go into Pete and they she has diagnosed him with anxiety induced asthma. I was like, Yay! Well not yay, but I'm glad that he can get some help for it and feel better, right? Anxiety does really wild things to the body. Mm-hmm. Yay! That was okay. so funny. Um it's it's really wonderful how supportive of each other that Cooper and Violet are. And how wonderful they are together. It's wild to me that neither Sheldon nor Pete get the sense that Violet, like, could be pregnant. Right? Like, they're doctors. They know it's an option. Like, if the person that you're seeing is like, hmm, so about babies, would you ever want to be a, hmm, father? something should go off in your head to be like ding 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 was i protected ding 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 speaking of that sheldon saying that he's okay with kids in small bursts made me lol because yeah it was very jacksonian same sheldon (laughs) not too much just a little bit i know and when pete was like oh i'm glad that i don't have any it's a good thing i'm like oh boy wait violet if you want to avoid these people why are you visiting the Pacific Well Care snack bar on Sheldon's floor? It's just a bad idea. I know. Um, Charlotte is not a girl who takes well at all to rejection, right? But she also has some trouble listening. She turns her ears off when she senses a no coming. And I just feel that that is something that she could improve on. For as much as I love her, she could improve on listening when she senses a no. Agreed. And. Yeah. In their relationship, they say it in this uh, in this episode, one step forward, two steps back. It's their their whole thing. Yeah, she doesn't she doesn't want to listen. He he keeps trying, and sometimes he makes bad choices too. Honestly, it's what makes them good television. Yes, because we have this push and pull for seasons um, now at this point, and it's dramatically satisfying. But ooh, guys, just listen to each other and and do your thing. Yeah, like, don't just hear, listen. Yeah. Jumping to the end, I love Charlotte's casserole dish. The lid is so cute. Um, I'd also really like that recipe for the cornbread chicken casserole. So, um, dear Miss Charlotte, if you want to send that to me, my email is bhabpodcast at (laughs) gmail.com. All right, Charlotte, you heard it. And the timing on the end is so bad. Like, but also maybe use some different wording there, Cooper. Maybe Charlotte's the one person that you tell that Violet is expecting. 
and you say, uh, Violet needs me because unless I miss something, Charlotte is not suggesting that they move in together, correct? She is only suggesting, well, first that they get married, but after that, um, she's suggesting that they continue their relationship, right? Right. Cooper, all Cooper would have to say is instead of, I'm moving in with Violet, although it makes for great television, all he would have to say is like, Violet's having a really hard time right now. Um, It's not mine to tell you, but I'm sure you will find out soon. I need I need to stay there for a few nights. Right. Instead of I'm moving in with Violet. Yep. <laughs> What's your style, Sam? As I talked about at the beginning of this second episode here is um Addison's outfit at the beginning of episode 14, the green print wrap dress is not so um offensive to me because Although it is quite 2009, it is not um, physically terrifying to me. The bubble necklace could kill a small animal or child if used in windy conditions. So, um, yes, that is all that I will say on the matter. Certainly could. Not that I didn't have necklaces that were the same, but looking back at them, (laughs) (laughs) they're a little bit frightening to me. Who's, Who's your guest star spotlight? My guest star spotlight today is none other than Joel Gray, who played Alexander in episode 13. Never heard of him. Who is he? Tell us. If you are somehow a person <laughs> on this planet who has not heard of Joel Gray, he is a Tony, Oscar, Grammy, and Golden Globe Award winner, best known for originating the role of the MC in Cabaret on both the stage and the screen. So, Joel... I would say is primarily associated with the stage, even though he's worked in many mediums. In addition to Cabaret, he's known for originating the roles of George M. in George M. and the wonderful Wizard of Oz in Wicked, as well as for his performances in the 1996 revival of Chicago, the 2011 revival of Anything Goes, the original production of Good Time Charlie, Half a Sixpence, and more. Many, many more. Many. In addition to acting, he's also a director. Um, and you might know him for his work on the 2011 Broadway production of The Normal Heart, for which he was a replacement for the lead in the original off-Broadway run in the 80s, and for directing the Yiddish National Theater's 2018 off-Broadway production of Fiddler on the Roof. On screen, he's also appeared in Little Women, A Christmas Carol, Oz, Nurse Jackie, CSI, Dallas, Matlock, Grey's Anatomy, of course, and more. Away from the performing arts, Joel is also a photographer, and he's released four books of photography over the past two decades. Definitely worth checking them out. And for a final fun fact, he is the father of actress Jennifer Grey. What a fella. What a fella. Big fan. Sam, who's your MVP today? Okay, so maybe surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly... My MVP is Sam for helping Pete and Joel Gray in episode one and for being so supportive of Naomi and also so respectful and loving with Sonia. Who's yours? Mine is Pete specifically for the incredible care he showed for Alexander in episode 13, despite the questionable choice to steal morphine without officially signing it out. But I was so impressed by... We don't know he didn't sign it out. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Dramatic music, leather Benefit jacket. of the doubt. Benefit of the doubt. But 
I was just so impressed by the patient care he showed for Alexander. Had to give it to him. Okay. What's your rating, Sam? An anniversary potluck get-together, right? It's hectic, but everyone is doing their best and does it with love. I like that. I like that, Sam. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What's your rating? My rating is a beautiful sunset because, dear listeners, um, it is now time for me to pass the baton along. It has been wonderful being with you, experiencing private practice for the first time, and I will continue to do so. Don't don't worry. I will continue finishing the series, um, but it's time to pass along those co-hosting duties. So thank you. The sun is setting. And next week, um, you will hear me in a crossover episode with the hosts of the On Call Room podcast, Abby and Bree, one of my and Jackson's personal favorite podcasts. And I'll be um, listening too. Yes, absolutely. And after that, we will have a brand new co-host who you guys are going to love. Um, I love them. So um, yes, stay tuned for some great announcements. And maybe every once in a while, you'll just send in a little voice note for us to um, I'm sure include. I will. Yes, I'm sure yes, yes, I yes, will. yes, yes. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at BHABpodcast, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor to be the first to hear future episodes. You can find me on Instagram at all.that.jax. And you can follow me at Samantha G. Harris on all social media. Theme music for this episode was composed by Samantha G. Harris. If you'd like to support Beach Houses and Babies, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with a friend. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash bhabpodcast. On our next episode, I'll be discussing the February 2009 Grey's Anatomy crossover event featuring Private Practice Season 2, Episodes 15 and 16, along with Grey's Anatomy Season 5, Episode 15. Abby Elmore and Brie Babbitt from the On Call Room podcast will be here with me. As always, if you want to watch in advance, the episodes are available to stream on Netflix and Hulu and can be purchased on iTunes, Amazon, DVD, and more. If you have thoughts you'd like to share on these episodes, please DM us on Instagram at bhabpodcast or email us at bhabpodcast at gmail.com to be featured on our listener mail segment. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in two weeks. TGIT.